Theater, and this is Mythical, the podcast that wanders the dark and fantastical pages of fairy tales and myths. This season, I'm reading Italian folk tales. Today's story is by Jean-Baptiste Basile. It is titled Sun, Moon, and Talia. Today's story does have some language and may not be suitable for younger listeners. Today, I have two guest voices, Courtney playing the queen and Andrielle as the king. They co-host a podcast called Spellcast. Now, I'll begin Sun, Moon, and Talia, as all good stories should, with Once Upon a Time. There once lived a great lord who was blessed with the birth of a daughter, whom he named Talia. He sent for the wise men and astrologers in his lands to predict her future. They met, counseled together, and cast her horoscope, and at length they came to the conclusion that she would incur great danger from a splinter of flax. Her father, therefore, forbade that any flax, hemp, or any other material of that sort be brought into his house, so that she should escape the predestined danger. And as we know from all the other fairy tales, is that when you forbid something from happening or coming into your house, you escape the curse. It's proven science. One day, when Talia had grown into a young and beautiful lady, she was looking out of a window when she beheld passing that way an old woman who was spinning. Talia, never having seen a distaff or a spindle, was pleased to see the twirling spindle, and she was so curious as to what thing it was that she asked the old woman to come to her. Taking the distaff from her hand, she began to stretch the flax. Unfortunately, Talia ran a splinter of flax under her nail, and she fell dead upon the ground. When the old woman saw this, she became frightened and ran down the stairs and is running still. As soon as the wretched father heard of the disaster which had taken place, he had them, after having paid for this tub of sour wine with casks of tears, lay her out in one of his country mansions. There they seated her on a velvet throne under a canopy of brocade. Wanting to forget all and to try from his memory his great misfortune, he closed the doors and abandoned forever the house where he had suffered this great loss. After a time, it happened by chance that a king was out hunting and passed that way. One of his falcons escaped from his hand and flew into the house by way of one of the windows. It did not come when called, so the king had one of his party knock at the door, believing the palace to be inhabited. Although he knocked for a length of time, nobody answered. So the king had them bring a vinter's ladder, for he himself would climb up and search the house to discover what was inside. Thus, he climbed up and entered, and looked in all the rooms and nooks and corners, and was amazed to find no living person there. At last, 
he came to the salon, and when the king beheld Talia, who seemed to be enchanted, he believed that she was asleep, and he called to her, but she remained unconscious. Crying aloud, he beheld her charms and felt his blood course hotly through his veins. He lifted her in his arms and carried her to a bed where he gathered the first fruits of love. Leaving her on the bed, he returned to his own kingdom where, in the pressing business of his realm, he for a time thought no more about this incident. What? makes him think that it is okay for him to have sex with an unconscious girl. It's just, that's just not okay. Now, after nine months, Talia delivered two beautiful children, one a boy and the other a girl. In them could be seen two rare jewels, and they were attended by two fairies who came to that palace and put them at their mother's breasts. Once, however, they sought the nipple, and not finding it, began to suck on Talia's fingers, and they sucked so much that the splinter of flax came out. Talia awoke as if from a long sleep, and seeing beside her two priceless gems, she held them to her breast, and gave them the nipple to suck, and the babies were dearer to her than her own life. Finding herself alone in that palace, with two children by her side, she did not know what had happened to her, but she did notice that the table was set, and food and drink were brought into her, although she did not see any attendants. In the meanwhile, the king remembered Talia, and saying that he wanted to go hunting, he returned to the palace and found her awake, and with two cupids of beauty. He was overjoyed, and he told Talia who he was, and how he had seen her, and what had taken place. When she heard this, their friendship was knitted with tighter bonds, and he remained with her for a few days. So he goes back, because he remembers the unconscious woman that he had sex with, and he goes back to presumably have sex with her again, because he obviously feels no guilt. And when he tells her that he raped her, she grows closer to him, and they're like, hey, we're friends now because it's all fine, and look, we have babies together now? After that time, he bade her farewell and promised to return soon and to take her with him to his kingdom. And he went to his realm, but he could not find any rest and at all hours he had in his mouth the names of Talia, and of Sun and Moon. Those were the two children's names. And when he took his rest, he called either one or other of them. Now the king's wife began to suspect that something was wrong from the delay of her husband while hunting, and hearing him name continually Talia, Sun, and Moon, she became hot with another kind of heat than the sun's. Sending for the secretary, she said to him, Listen to me, my son. You are living between two rocks, between the post and the door, between the poker and the grate. If you will tell me with whom the king, your master, and my husband is in love, 
I will give you treasures untold. And if you hide the truth from me, you will never be found again, dead or alive. The man was terribly frightened. Greed and fear blinded his eyes to all honor and to all sense of justice. And he related to her all things, calling bread bread and wine wine. The queen, hearing how matters stood, sent the secretary to Talia in the name of the king, asking her to send the children, for he wished to see them. Talia, with great joy, did as she was commanded. Then the queen, with a heart of Medea, told the cook to kill them and to make them into several tasteful dishes for her wretched husband. But the cook was tender-hearted, and seeing these two beautiful golden apples, such an odd thing to call a child, felt pity and compassion for them, and he carried them home to his wife and had her hide them. In their place he prepared two lambs into a hundred different dishes. When the king came, the queen, with great pleasure, had the food served. The king ate with delight, saying, By the soul of my ancestors, how tasteful this is! Each time she replied, Eat, eat, you are eating of your own. For two or three times the king paid no attention to this repetition, but at last seeing that the music continued, he answered, I know perfectly well that I am eating of my own, because you have brought nothing into this house. And growing angry, he got up and went to a villa at some distance from his palace to solace his soul and alleviate his anger. In the meanwhile, the queen, not being satisfied of the evil already done, sent for the secretary and told him to go to the palace and to bring Talia back, saying that the king longed for her presence and was expecting her. Talia departed as soon as she heard these words, believing that she was following the commands of her lord, for she greatly longed to see her light and joy, not knowing what was preparing for her. She was met by the queen, whose face glowed from the fierce fire burning inside her, and looked like the face of Nero. She addressed her thus, "'Welcome, Madam Busybody. You are a fine piece of goods, you ill-weed, who are enjoying my husband. You are a lump of filth, the cruel bitch that has caused my head to spin. Change your ways, for you are welcome in purgatory, where I will compensate you for all the damage you've done to me.' Talia, hearing these words, began to excuse herself, saying that it was not her fault, because the king, her husband, had taken possession of her territory when she was drowned in sleep. But the queen would not listen to her excuses, and had a large fire lit in the courtyard of the palace, and commanded that Talia should be cast into it. The villain of the story is the queen, rightfully so, she's trying to kill Talia and the children. But honestly, the king, the king here is really the one who did wrong. He, one, raped a girl. Two, he was married, so there's adultery. The queen just found out about it, and of course she's mad. I'd be mad. She's going about getting justice the wrong way, but her anger is justified. The lady perceiving that matters had taken a bad turn, knelt 
before the queen and begged her to allow her to at least take off the garments she wore. The queen, not for pity of the unhappy lady, but to gain also those robes which were embroidered with gold and pearls, told her to undress, saying, You can take off your clothes. I agree. Talia began to take them off, and with every item that she removed, she uttered a loud scream. Having taken off her robe, her skirt, the bodice, and her shift, she was on the point of removing her last garment when she uttered a last scream louder than the rest. They dragged her towards the pile to reduce her to lie ashes, which would be used to wash Sharon's breeches. The king suddenly appeared, and finding the spectacle, demanded to know what was happening. He asked for his children, and his wife, reproaching him for his treachery, told him that she had them slaughtered and served to him as meat. When the wretched king heard this, he gave himself up to despair, saying, Alas, then I, myself, and the wolf of my own sweet lambs, Alas, and why did these my veins know not the fountain of their own blood? You renegade bitch! What evil deed is this which you have done? Be gone! You shall get your desert as the stumps, and I will not send such a tyrant-faced one to the Colosseum to do her penance. So saying, he commanded that the queen should be cast into the fire which she had prepared for Talia, and the secretary with her, because he had been the handle for this bitter play, and weaver of this wicked plot. He was going to do the same with the cook, whom he believed to be the slaughterer of his children, when the man cast himself at his feet, saying, In truth, my lord, for such a deed there should be nothing else than the pile of living fire, and no other help than a spear from behind, and no other entertainment than twisting and turning within the blazing fire, and I should seek no other honour than to have my ashes, the ashes of a cook, mixed up with the queen's. But this is not the reward that I expect for having saved the children, in spite of the gall of that bitch who wanted to kill them, and to return to your body that which was of your own body. Hearing these words, the king was beside himself. He thought that he was dreaming, and he could not believe what his own ears had heard. Therefore, turning to the cook, he said, If this is true, you have saved my children. Be sure that I will take you away from turning the spit, and I will put you in the kitchen of this breast, to turn and twist as you like all my desires, giving you such a reward as shall enable you to call yourself a happy man in this world. While the king spoke these words, the cook's wife, seeing her husband's need, brought forth the two children, Sun and Moon, and he never tired at playing the game of three with his wife and children, making a mill-wheel of kisses, now with one and then with the other. He gave a generous reward to the cook, 
he made him a chamberlain. He married Talia to wife, and she enjoyed a long life with her husband and her children, thus experiencing the truth of the proverb, those whom fortune favors find good luck even in their sleep. The moral of today's story is, don't commit rape or adultery. No matter what the ending of this story suggests, they are both very, very bad things and you should not do either of them. Also, don't try and slaughter children to cook them into food. These are all very bad people doing very bad things. Be the cook. Save the children. Do good things. Today's story was read from the Multilingual Folk Tale Database. A link to this website will be in the show notes. Sun, Moon, and Talia is the fifth entertainment of the fifth day. Before the storyteller begins the tale, the narrative is written like this. Although the story of the ogress might have solicited a bit of compassion, instead it was the cause of pleasure, for everyone was happy that Parmitella's affairs had gone far better than expected. After this tale, it was Papa's turn for deliberating, and since her feet were already in the stirrups, she began to speak in this manner. The narrative surrounding the days of storytelling focuses on Princess Zoza, a girl who cannot laugh no matter how funny a joke or situation is. Her father, the king, attempts to make her laugh, but it is of no use. Until one day, the king sets up a fountain of oil by a door, thinking people slipping in the oil will make her laugh. An old woman comes by with a jug to gather the oil, but a page boy breaks her jug, and the old woman is so angry that she dances about, and Zola laughs. Rather than this being a good thing, it leaves Zoza cursed. And how that curse plays out, I will tell you during our next Jean-Baptiste Bissere episode. If you have a story you would like me to read aloud, you can email the show at mythicalthepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at mythicalpodcast. Thank you again. To my guests, Courtney and Andreal, from the podcast Spellcast, for their help with today's voices. Thank you for joining me today. I'm the narrator. Have a magical week, and don't anger the fairies. (laughs) 